Welcome to Vino Week, episode 51. Welcome to Vino 101, I'm Bill. Hello everybody, it's Al. Let's talk some vino. Yes, let, indeed. We got lots going on, people. Lots going on out here. We got the harvest uh, wrapping up. We do. Uh, although, you know, I see, I still see a lot of grapes hanging, Bill, as I'm driving around. But uh, it's it's pretty much a done deal, man. I went out, I drove out um, towards um, Grayton the other day, and man, those leaves are falling. Yeah. I mean, they've changed colors and they're falling pretty good. So it's pretty yellow uh, going out that way. So most of the Pinot, Pinot's been picked. Um, so, you know, it's just these guys trying to get in their their Cabernet and their, their Zinfandel, I guess. And uh, that's really that's all that's left out there. Yeah, it's interesting is because I was coming over the um, the hill to go to Stony Point today, so heading, I guess south, be south on one sixteen. Mm-hmm. And I notice, I think it's Boletto Vineyards that are, you know, where the window the window cabinet shop is. Um, and there's vineyards in there. I think those are all Art Elbetto's uh, vineyards. But I noticed they were all turned. They were turned. They were all yeah. brown. You know, it was that mix of brown, red. You know, those fall yeah. colors. So, um, but I got a, I got an, e- I got an email and a video from the one, the, the, the uh, owner of Modus Operandi. So you know, he was kind of talking about they were, he was basically wrapping up. I think his Cabernet this week. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, he'd picked yeah, everything else. Yeah, and he did a great job. He made this little video. I I, I will post it. I, I will, if I remember to take it out, I will post it. But he uh, made a great video of a new vineyard that he has. I think it's at 1,300 feet in Napa. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's got nice video of drone footage flying around it. And then there's a French word where you basically barrel ferment and then you put everything in a single tank. It's de, de la, de la, I don't remember the French word. But he kind of walked through that process. So it's kind of an information you know, shame on me for not remembering the word, but basically it's, you know, things are, he explains that different things happen in the barrels, you know, each of the barrel has its own unique characteristics and environment. He basically puts it in a single tank to kind of make it the same. And then they put it back in the barrels. Um, so he kind of explaining that process. So that, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but I, I brought that up. He just, you know, he he triggered my memory on sort of that, um, kind of where the stage of the harvest is i kind of thought everything was done but that's not true no it's not done yet no it's uh, they got well i mean if even if your grapes are in i mean you still got to do all the processing there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff going oh i yeah i'm strictly referring to getting grapes off the vine so oh yeah um you know that 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 tale of sort of finishing you know it's just the start of the process really is harvesting the fruit well the weather has been so incredibly wonderful that there's been no real rush to get it out a lot of people what they've been doing is they've been going for that they call it hang time that extra hang time and uh you know you just get a little bit more complexity in the grapes um the only risk you have is if it gets warm like today it was in the 90s the low 90s i think and tomorrow it might be a little bit hotter um what they have to do at that point is, um, you know, you can get a little raisining, so they probably have to turn the water on and you know, give the give the vines a little bit of a drink if they still want to leave them out there for another week or so. Right. But uh, you're really, really curting uh, disaster, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I, I just, like, today I was, you know, um, I, I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. I Yesterday was kind of warm when I came home. It was like freakishly warm when I came home last night. Yeah. And then today, I'm looking at the weather. I'm like, 89. I'm like, you know, I was outside about 2 o'clock, and I'm like, it's not 89. It's in the 90s. It was hot. Yeah, it was warm. I and, was over in Napa Valley, so yeah, I was oh, really yeah. over there. And I'm but you, like, mentioned, uh, you mentioned you said you were on Stony Point Road, and you were looking at um, um, Artibletto's uh, Vineyards. We went to a function um, last uh, last Friday. Art Obleto was the um, was the featured uh, host or the, the the featured guest. That guy is 
I think he's he's 93. That's why I'm like, he's got to be in his 90s. <laughs> Talk about a guy who's had a rich life. Yeah, so he talked about, I mean, he's done a lot of crazy stuff. He talked about his time when he was in the war and, uh, you know, I mean, he he got inducted into the Italian army and and just all kinds of crazy stuff. But uh, he got up and and then he was um, a reporter from the the Press Democrat was there to kind of go through his little life and give a, you know, a quick biopsy of of what, what what he had done in his life. And then he came up for a little bit, man. That guy, he is full of energy, dude. Real deep baritone voice. And, Let's eat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what you want him to say. That's exactly what you want him to say. For those yeah. of you don't know, that don't know, um, this is a little local insider knowledge. Our art is known as the Pasta King of Sonoma County. And if you go to the county fair, you go to the county fairgrounds, you can see the booth where, you know, you can get the half and half pasta. So start, you know, your pasta with, you know, half, you know, marinara or meat sauce or uh, or pesto and garlic bread. I remember the, one of the first weeks I was in Sonoma County, we went, you can go to his shop, which is on Stony Point um, and his vineyards are around there. We pulled in. There's nobody there. There's nope. freezer cases just full of p- pasta, ravioli, you name it, ravioli. And uh, there's a sign that says, take what you want, please, and, and the prices. Yeah, just leave <laughs> you know, the money just, there. Please just leave the money. And so we're walking out, and somebody comes out, you know, and it was, a rel- I can't remember who it was, but it was a, they explained who they were in the family. And... They're like, oh, you just moved here. I think we got a bottle of wine. We got free garlic bread. Uh, it was just, you know, it literally was like, hey, I just walked over to my Italian neighbors and they loaded me up with a bunch of food. Yeah. It was, and the food was reasonably, ex- extremely reasonably priced, and and it was very good for, you know, what it was. But uh, it's still like that to this day. You yeah. can go, you can drive up there. All right, that's what I do. Yes. I just drive up and you just drive up and hardly ever anybody there. No. You know, last time he was there, you know, but you just like, yeah, I think I need a flat of uh, you know pesto lasagna. And no, oh, okay, it's twenty bucks for this size. All right, just leave a twenty on there. Yes. A little note, you're thanks, good. Art. <laughs> you're out. It's pretty funny, but yeah, that's old school, man. Those days are coming to an end. We've talked about this before. Yeah, but it's <laughs> uh. I just you know, I'll just put another plug in. If you're in Sonoma County and you want pasta, go see the Pasta King. Go see the Pasta King. Go see the Pasta King. So speaking of old school, you and I both met this guy years ago on we one of our um, soirees. Yeah, we got a tour from this guy, if you recall. Yeah, um, Rob, Robert Rue. What a, what a character, man. Yeah. So uh, a- rest uh, rest in peace and cheers to Robert Rue. Um, Absolutely. Here's Robert. Yeah, Robert just passed away a few months ago. Um, it's odd, but his, I guess his obituary just finally showed up. But, I mean, things like that happen when you're super busy. Yeah. But uh, Rob Robert Rue, I, I, I knew that he was in the gas business, but he was a welder and he's in the gas business. He started out, he just worked at a gas station. Yeah. And yeah. then a long I, time ago, though. Yeah, yeah, we're talking yeah, fifty yeah. years ago. Yeah. Whatever yeah. He started He's a little younger than than uh, Art, but you know, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Art Art's got to be by almost thirty years, right? But uh, yeah, it was, it's a it was a kind of a, I wondered what what had happened and why they um, why they sold the winery. But after I read this, it made sense. I mean, he he got diagnosed with cancer, and it just kind of basically went downhill from that point on. So yeah. they ended up having to sell the property. Um, you know, they sold the property to, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Vinji family. Um, what's it? Nils and, um, I and don't Kirk, know. Kirk Vinji. I don't know. And, uh, they make, uh, those guys, I mean, it's a father and son team. They make some really awesome wines, but it's weird. They're only making Pinot Noir and Chardonnay at that property. Well, that's and, unfortunate because... You know, Robert, um, you know, he was a Zinfandel, I mean, uh, it was a Zinfandel producer, and I can't remember what year it was, it might have been 08, that the harvest was horrible. I think 
he showed us he had either a barrel or a half a barrel of Pinot that year, a barrel and a half. It was a, it was a ridiculous amount of juice. It was 08. Yep. Yeah. But he, um, you know, he didn't start making wine as a winemaker under his own label, I think until 2000 or 01. And, you know, he had help from, you know, some some masters and including, you know, and including a, a woman pioneer, Carol Shelton, you know, but his, his infidels were outstanding. And, and, um, you know, I, not the only, I'm not the only person that would echo that. And a lot of it has to do with the fruit he had. He had these old vines that it was great to read the press demo article, his obituary today, because it talked about, you know, how much love he had for those vineyards. And, um, I can't remember who in the article is like, "Hey, whatever you do, don't sell those. Don't don't destroy those vines." Yeah. They were like, "It's a gold mine." Yeah, I, w- I wonder where those grapes are going now. Yeah, because somebody's got them. Somebody's somebody's got. I mean, because they that was part of the the real estate deal. Yeah. But um, yeah, I wonder who they're selling those grapes yeah. to. Well, because I, hope I they, don't yeah. I don't remember Vinji's uh, ever doing any Zinfandel. Although I bet you they have. Yeah. They've had to have done Zinfandel. I mean, those guys make all kinds. They'll make anything. Sure. But and, anyway, um, yeah. um, it's... Um, it's always sad to see someone like that pass. Yeah, somebody that you just, you know, just met briefly, but uh, just a, a real spitfire of a guy, you know. And it's that same thing we were talking about this last week on the podcast. You get these guys that, uh, you know, they, they're... they're ham- I call them ham and eggers, man. They're just... They're, they're out there... They get the they get the job done. They, they're in some business. They stick with it for X number of years. You know, it might not be the most glamorous job that they're doing, but you know, they they save their pennies and and they're able to purchase property. And then uh, you know, they they have this dream of uh, you know being growers. I mean, he sold grape grapes for years yeah. and then decided to start making the wine. Yeah. And it's it's you know, it just shows you that it can it can be done even in these days. You know. Everyone thinks, ah, it can't be done, but it can be oh, done. Oh, it can be done. It can be done. So it is It is tough to be a vintner, and <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting tougher, Bill. Yeah, well, speak of, I, I think you're going to refer to the, the Kundi and uh, Vintage Wine Estates that just filed a $20 million lawsuit um, to try to compel their insurance companies to pay them for the smoke damage they they uh, received in 2017. Did you read some of those court documents? I mean, some of the, the I pre- I You know what? I didn't, which is unfortunate because I'm sure they're quite entertaining. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to, I'm going to boil it down. Okay. So we had this, everyone knows we had this horrible fire in 2017. And if you had, you know, there's a lot of talk. They said, oh, you know, no big deal, nothing to worry about. You know, almost all the grapes were harvested already. Well, yeah, that's almost all of the grapes that were just going to be just for the just simple, um, you know, $10 and under wine. All of the high-end varietal stuff, it's still hanging out there when you had this fire. Getting that hang time, baby. Getting that yes, complex getting that fruit. Hang time, just, just like right now. i got to justify so, my 30 extra dollars for my bottle. So these, you know, what the insurance company is saying, and this, this is, uh, you know, what's really interesting, and the, the company that they're fighting with is Alliance, and I know that you know Alliance was gobbled up, gobbled up uh, Fireman's Fund, if you remember Fireman's Fund. Yes. I mean, the irony. <laughs> Fireman's yes. Fund's the name of the insurance yeah. company. But anyway, so um, <laughs> they have... Ironic. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I don't know if I'm using that word properly, but it does seem there's no, no, no. There's good irony there. Yeah. <laughs> so the the, the um, insurance company saying, "Hey, you know, we can't uh, do anything about this because this happened before you got the grapes in the winery. They're out in the uh, vineyard, and uh, <laughs> you're out of luck." And Not the wine company saying, "Hey, man, this didn't happen out in the vineyard. It happened while we were processing the grapes because the area was literally covered in smoke for two weeks." Yeah. True so, you know, you're in there, you're processing the grapes, and the grapes became tainted through the winemaking process. So this is going to go to court, obviously, and it'll be in uh, Sonoma County Superior Court. And 
not a favorable venue for the insurance companies. <laughs> not good, not good. No, injury your peers? Yes, but yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of people not happy with insurance companies here. Yeah, um, I, I predict this never sees the light of day at trial. Um, no, no, they're going to settle. Yeah, that $20 million dollar number will be cut in half. It'll be it's somewhere. a matter of what they're going to settle for. Yeah, but yeah they will settle. It'll They'll be, have to. Yeah, it'll be somewhere below $15 million is my guess. And... Um, you know they. You know part of the, you know part of the logic here is these companies are going to be compelled to settle because if they go to court, my, uh, you know, just based on people's attitude here, yeah, I, they're they're their they're likelihood not. of being successful is not going to be good. Um, yeah, they're they're going into a hostile environment for sure, man. You know, and it's, I, I don't know all the details, and maybe that's not true. But I, you know, how are you going to try this? You're going to try this based on all this, all these facts. And you know, if I'm on a jury, and you're like, oh, you know, on this date, it got moved from this place to this place, and the smoke concentration was blah 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 per million, and there was no blah blah blah, I'm gonna be like, insurance company guilty. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> you know, no way I'm that just this like, would be, there's no way this I, would go to court. They'd no change way. the venue. They couldn't do it in Sonoma County. There's no way. Yeah. It'll be very. We should. We should make sure that we follow this because it'll be good to see what happens. Yeah. Um, be not, if they did, it'd be nice to just roll down there to the courthouse. Oh yeah. Just, oh, yeah. Kind of sit in the audience. Oh yeah. It would be good. It'd be good. Although you know, I, I highly recommend everybody go to a trial. Um, it, it you will rapidly learn how boring it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's very drawn oh, out. Yeah. Oh my god. It's like watching. Uh, it's like watching uh, toast cook. Yeah, it's it, yet, bad. yet another cautionary tale of why not to be involved in the legal system. Unless you like that stuff. There are yeah. people that do. Well, you um, know, one of the one of the um, one of the litigants in this is the Leslie Rudd Trust. Remember that name? Yeah. Leslie Rudd, man. Now Leslie Rudd passed away, I think he passed away last year, but he was an entrepreneur, a mover and a shaker. And and there he's in partnership with or his trust is anyway with Vintage Wine Estates. I'm just going to name some of the companies yeah, yeah. that Vintage Wine Estates is associated uh, with. Yeah, well, Br Cone, Cameron Hughes, <laughs> Cartilage Brown, Chloe Pigas, Clayhouse Wines, Cosentino Winery. Game of Thrones wines. Oh God! Girl and Dragon. Leticia. Layer cake. Cupe. Swanson. They got their hands in a lot of really big brands. So this isn't like a, a small player. Oh no! And uh, so I mean, they're they, they want to get. They want to be paid for the insurance that they purchased. <laughs> you know, they want to be made whole. So that's going to be a great. Um, that that'd be something. You're right. That's something that we should definitely follow. But Leslie Leslie Rudd, before he passed away, he also sold. Um, what was the company he owned that just recently has been in a lot of trouble um, from the other people that bought it? Um, the fancy food store, Dean and Deluca. Okay. Yeah, he's a guy that uh, started the upscale uh, grocery chain Dean and Deluca. So I mean, and he and he was also he also owned um, back in the day he owned Standard Beverage Company, which was a huge coffee producer, uh, coffee service uh, all in the Midwest. So the guy, you know, he, he did a you know he did a lot of cool things. So he's one of the he's just one of the invest or his company his trust is one of the investors. <laughs> it's that, his entity. Yeah, he lives on. He lives on yeah. in his trust. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a mover and a shaker. Still, but but this uh, this the, this climate, um, these these weather related events are really affecting um, the wine business and business in in general in a great way. And uh, PG and E is you know they're trying to that's Pacific uh, Gas and Electric Company for you people that don't live out in California. If you if you're not aware yet of who they are. Yeah. You probably are because you've listened to our podcast a couple of times. Right. I mean, hey, you know, they're trying their best, but they're, they're choking pretty hard. But um, I guess uh, 
a week ago, Bill, they had uh, no, no, no. It was a couple weeks ago, maybe a week and a half ago. They turned off the lights in this area. I don't know if people know that or not, but they um, they turned off the power because I was windy outside, and uh, they were helping us and protecting us, and that was all good and fine. But at the same time that they turned off that power, uh, they were having uh, all of the yucky yuck uh, bigwigs were having a winery retreat at Silver Oak Winery. Yeah. Well, we uh, have to. Same- yeah, we have to be clear. So the first thing that we need to understand in all this. Oh, wait, wait, hold, hold on, Bill. Yeah, hold on, hold on. You, you got it. Let me, let me, let me get seated properly. Yeah, get seated properly. Okay. Because it, it, it may, if you know anything about corporate America, this makes sense. So the first question you have to ask yourself is, how could this even happen? So you work for a monopoly. Does you know what everybody knows what that means? That you, there are no competitors. You have sole ability to price things, and you have control over your market. You the boss. Yep, you are the you are the boss, and everybody has to buy from you. Captive market. So I don't understand how much how this happens with regard to the amount of negative press that PG&E surrounds. So as you rightly point out, they decide. They being the gas side of PG&E, who, by the way, blew up a city a couple of years ago in south of San Francisco because they didn't do their deferred, they didn't do the maintenance on the pipes. They literally, we had a gas explosion in San Bruno, killed nine people. So these guys, the gas people, decide last weekend when the electric guys decide to shut off the power to have a retreat at a winery I can't even afford to go to. Good judgment. Why are these people even still working from the CEO down? Who approved this stuff? Somebody signed off on this. Really? I just find it, I'm, it's like unbelievable. So the guy that started all this, the gas, PG&E gas exec, he got fired. Big deal. Bill, he's no longer with the company. Yeah. Why aren't they all? If you're a <laughs> VP, why are you still there? <laughs> I don't understand. Our rates went up, and it was for maintenance of the power lines and the gas lines. It never, it never happened. Okay, Bill, relax. I just want you to know, and I'm reading a quote from Bill Johnson, <laughs> yeah, this CEO. Will be good. This will be good. Everyone at PG&E needs to be working better to serve our customers and earn back their trust. You think? Okay. Yeah, and so this, folks, this was at Silver Oak in Alexander Van- Valley. So, like, you know, and we'll post. I, we should post a picture. Well, it'll be in the article. It's like, wow, really? And I don't know if this really means anything, but Silver Oak is probably, it's, um, I think it's, if not the only one, it's probably one of two uh, Gold Lead certified wineries. <laughs> of course, I had my retreat that we're in a place that conserves energy, like all the rest of you slaves should too. As we choppered out. No, I mean, seriously, I mean, the, the, the uh, and I think there's a lot of this going on in our society today, where these people are just like, "Are you just completely mute?" You know, and the and the ability for people back in the day, you would have never known that this happened. Yeah, yeah. You never well, known that this people happened. are people are on it these days. Yeah, people are. The on guy it. that broke this broke the um the the news and is is on the PG and E tip. His name is J D Morris, and he used to be um. He used to do uh, the news up here for the Press Democrat, and he got promoted uh, a couple of years ago. He doesn't miss anything, <laughs> so yeah. that's great. I just I follow, I, I follow everything he writes. I just um, yeah, it's sort of stupefying that this even even happened, and the, and the fact that they're trying to apologize. I mean, they're like you know, oh, we're gonna we'll try. Everybody should do better. No, you should be fired. Yes. They're turning. They're. They're. Um. Actually. Um. <laughs> my wife just talked to a friend that lives up in Lake County. They are turning off their power tonight. Yeah. Because of the winds, they're 30, doing it again. Thirty-six thousand people. To, to, to be fair to PG&E, which is really hard to do, <laughs> but to be fair, they have had some horrendous fires in Lake County. I mean, I could, I could, I mean, just like two, three years in a row, just 
fires just roaring through that area. Well, you know, this is all about, you know, we've decided to ignore centuries of forest management practices and and let fuel build up to the point that it just obliterates things. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Let's let the fuel load get so high in the forest that when the fire starts, it gets so hot that the trees explode. And folks, that's what happens. The trees literally explode because they're so hot. I just don't understand why they're turning the power off in areas like um, Sonoma Valley. Everything's already burnt out. I and there's think nothing it's growing all, there. There's, I think nothing, it, there's no more fuel. It's just payback. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just payback. All right. Well, you know, it gets worse. Oh, and, and, the, and it even gets better. Did you see the article today? I don't have it in, in front of me, but uh, the I believe Bill Johnson came out and said, we've got a decade of these power shutoffs coming. Yeah. Well, you know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm predicting what's going to happen is there's going to be – they're going to be bought up. You know, they're bankrupt already, so you can buy it at a, you know, the stock is at an all-time low, so you can just make an offer. And cities will have to make an offer, and they'll have to work and maintain the grid on their own. That's the way to go, man. These people are inept. They need to be, they need to be, they need to be put down, man. Well, and shame on, you know, so we went through deregulation, right? And wasn't it Gray Davis? I mean, this, you can hearken all this back to Enron. Yes. I mean. what it started, yeah. Yep. And I believe that the uh, the Enron the Enron folks um, uh, believed, and, and they're on on tape saying how how big a suckers the, the Californians were um, around around uh, you know the whole deregulation thing. Uh, you know, we are essentially at some level as individuals in America responsible for this, we elected the people that allowed the people to be pointed to the California public utility commission that allowed all this to happen. I mean, effectively, you know, we, we, we too have some culpability in in this. Uh, I agree. I agree. You know, here's how, here's how corrupt PG and E is. Well, here's just one example so hey i want to before we keep driving in please hold that thought i want to say i appreciate all of the line workers all the people that maintain the lines all the people that are out in the rain and the fires getting the power back on this is not who we're talking about we're talking to the people linemen of the county yes exactly exactly no no no, you're totally right i'm talking about the executives that sit um in the building on market street that make these decisions well here's the thing if you could get rid of all the executives and just leave the linemen and the engineers in in, in control everything would probably work out everything would get taken care of it get maintained would. everything would be fine yeah, we clear goals and objectives we need a resilient power grid that's cost effective doesn't cost a lot to maintain can grow and uh, if there's some kind of natural disaster it doesn't destroy everything it can happen Not- you're not going to believe this, man. I got a friend that has um, <laughs> he has his own power bank in his backyard, and he it generates all the power for his house with solar panels, and he um, he operates it at a hundred and ten percent. So he actually feeds in more than yeah, he's he needs. making money. PG and E. Charges him, of course, access fee or something. <laughs> they charge. Well, first of all, they charge him an access. Uh, access fee. On the line, there's an act. It's some. Uh, You're connected to my grid, man. You gotta yeah. pay. Yeah, it's like so, connecting so, a router to the internet. You gotta so pay for that crap. They charge him an access, but for what he generates when he when he generates it when he buys it back from them, it's thirty three cents, I think times x whatever that is but when he over generates and goes past that 100 percent, for every percent that he goes over they pay him three cents he pays them 33 cents they pay him three cents that's pg e in a nutshell that 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 my friends in a nutshell is called monopoly power God, <laughs> monopoly power yeah it's yeah. unbelievable and uh it, it's getting worse for the people over in Calistoga because uh, I think you saw this. Uh, there's a gentleman named Terry Gard. 
Terry's old school, man. He grows grapes. He's got 63 acres of grapes. He's in Calistoga. Uh, was handed down uh, from his uncle, and um, he's happy doing what he's doing. PG&E sent him a little note. Hey, bud, we want to use a little portion of your land. So they're trying to eminent domain him. They're they're going to eminent domain this guy for about an acre and a half of his land. It's at the corner of Highway 29 and Dunnawell Lane. Just to give you an idea of where that is, if you're going north from St. Helena and uh, you cruise up, and just before you get to the town of Calistoga, you look over to the right and you can see um, you can see the uh, big winery on the hill. Um, What's the big white winery on the hill? I can't even think of the name of it. Sterling. Sterling Vineyards. You see Sterling Vineyards. You see the monorail. You come up on Dunnawell Lane, and his property is right on that corner. And it looks like nothing. It's just a oh. bunch of grapevines. Oh, yeah. That's what this guy does. That's... He grows grapevines. They want to put in a uh, liquefied natural gas um, terminal? terminal there because they're redoing the pipes. Basically, what's happening is the pipes that are in the ground <laughs> are corroding. They're they're no, gonna, they're gonna they were put in in 1930. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, most of the yeah, most of the infrastructure, uh, certainly most of the infrastructure in California, was put in in the 30s, yeah. and so, so we're not investing. Not, it's gonna blow yeah. up, people. <laughs> that stuff it's was only not, made to last 50 years. Yeah, and not only are the lines old, they're too small. The town has expanded. I yeah. mean, think of what yeah. the think of what the how many people lived in Calistoga. Yeah. It's probably 10 versus now. Yeah, 10x, 20x, yeah. 30x. Yeah. So they've got to make the pipes bigger. So they need a place. They need a terminal to put all these tanks. And uh, I went online. I oh looked my God. At How much is it? Like. How That's much? horrible. Yeah. So this guy's like, no, man, I don't want you guys. I'll just eminent domain him, though. Yeah. So he's he's going to court, man. And I got bad oh, news for him. Oh, man. You're not going <laughs> to win that battle. And what, I mean, what's that property worth? Million and a half, two million? Probably. Well, I think they're I think they're screwing him on the price because they're offering him. They're saying they're not buying. They're just using the land to get this project done. And then after the project's done, they said that what they're going to do is they'll bury everything underneath, and then they'll just use it as a transfer station at that point. But everything will be underneath. But for the, you know, you know what they're saying and what. Why? Gonna- what I got to blow away my vines? Well, <laughs> you know, well, it's like seven years, dude. Yeah, he's he's worried. I mean, there's a ho- there's a ranch house there where his um, oh, I think his nephew lives or something. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, they're not going to live next to a freaking you know natural gas tank farm. <laughs> oh, I you know that stuff's pretty. I mean, if it, if it isn't you know if it isn't what a hundred um, what ninety years old, it's probably going to be okay. Yeah, that stuff's ninety years old next year. Built yeah. in the thirties. You know, if it's not ninety years old, it's probably going to be pretty safe. Well, for that acre and a half, they're offering him $335,000. Oh, my God. Come on. Are you kidding me? That thing's got to be worth like a million and a half. That's their final offer. Oh, God. They're trying to hose the guy. Not only are they taking his property, and think of what it's going to do to his property. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be an eyesore for oh one. Oh, my God. It's in a terrible spot. That's, yeah. a, that's where all the yeah. – I mean, you have it's to in go a look. tourist corridor. Yeah. It's, um, it's the, you know, I mean, you're not going to be able to miss it, man. Yeah. I, hey, look, we've got to build these things and we've got to improve our infrastructure, but we need to compensate people based on the market that exists. I mean, that guy's going to be out revenue for quite a while. You know, I mean, to have your vineyard ripped up, your property destroyed, you got to move a house. I mean, all that should be factored in. And I tell you what, California, 330K. When it comes to real estate, might as well just be pissing in the wind unless you're yeah. out in, you know, the Mojave somewhere. Yeah, that's um, a terrible offer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it should be like 3.3 million. <laughs> I mean, what? it's insane. That's really an insult. Yeah. That's just, but there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of wineries that that will impact that are right around there. Though, oh, because not only is it him, yeah. um, Claude Pegas is there, is right next door, <laughs> the adjoining property. Across the street is Tumay. Oh geez. Yeah. Um, Guard Winery is there. Um, Gerard is there, and then also um, up on the hill, you got Sterling. Yeah, they're not. A lot of people aren't going to be happy with that. Yeah, so but you got to get that, it done. 
Well, that's not and the guy's thing. It's like, well, why does it have to be my place? You know, not in my backyard type of thing, you know? So, and why can't he be over at Sterling? <laughs> they got a monorail. Well, they have, they do have a vineyard that, that's right in front of their I'm, spot there. I, I, it I'm could just, go there. I'm just saying, what's wrong with that? It'll be yet another lawsuit to follow. Yeah, yet this is a lawsuit, lawsuit uh, podcast. A lawsuit but anyway, yeah, that's 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 some pretty crazy stuff. But we've had, um, aside from all that craziness, we've had probably one of the best harvest. Um, I mean, seriously, one of the best harvest uh, with power outages and everything. I mean, everyone says the quality of the grapes from you know up in Mendocino all the way down to um, to Southern California. They're saying it's one of the best vintages they've seen in a long time. Killer vintage and uh, big record setting, yeah. So uh, that's something. That's something good. Oh yeah. Hey, look. There's a lot. A lot's good. I mean, you know, this stuff's all coming to a head. I don't think anybody else. Um, we all have to deal with these problems as we confront them as a group of people. You know, we really didn't think we'd ever be at the point where, you know, we have wildfires that race across you know the hills and burn houses down and jump interstates and you know take out entire town take out basically take out an entire county in a matter of hours um i mean we just you know you can't that that it truly is force majeure right it's uh act of god you can't you can't really plan for this stuff um it, I, I do. I, it is as we as I read about these articles with the infrastructure stuff. It is really concerning. I mean, this stuff's really old, um, and it it's not it's not designed to last this long. And well, I know it's it's really I, it's. Really, I have so many PG&E stories. Oh, man. I can. I, only, I just gotta stop. <laughs> I I can only imagine. So you know the P, the uh, yeah. I'm, just, just, I, I'm thinking of another one right now that, that just relates to the San Bruno, the whole thing with San Bruno. I mean, those those lines, those those gas transmission lines were checked, like, I believe, just like maybe a month and a half, two months before they had that explosion. Yeah. Well, so here's the here's the thing. I actually know somebody who was part of a PG&E inspection crew that was part of the investigation. And so this is my point about the age. Basically, every safety system failed. And because it was so old, there were some things that were supposed to prevent all of this that they 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 had inspected and they're like, oh, we have these other redundant systems. And because this one's so old, we don't have to worry as much about it. So there were like three or four failures that enabled that gas explosion to happen. And it really comes down to the age of the system. Yeah. And we're not really planning any of this as in municipalities. I mean, our, you know, our whole thinking from a government standpoint, and we are the government, um, is to kick the can down the road. Um, and, On and, so many things, yeah. Yeah, and the cost of fixing it now versus dealing with the disaster that occurs if you don't is an order of magnitude. You know, it's a couple of million to what, $10 million? I mean, how much is this natural gas plant? A couple million dollars? You know, to put the infrastructure in? $10, $100 million? Well, <laughs> the cost of rebuilding people's houses is, you know, is, you know, hundreds of millions of tens of hundreds of millions of dollars potentially and we're just not really thinking it thinking that through that well and we're going to pay it we're going to pay the price which is pay you know and what's sad is really eight people have to eight people lost their lives in san bruno how many people died in the fires in the tubs fire and the fire in um the fire in butte county i mean that oh, and that, no. and, that and so now we've crossed the line from just being negligent to criminal yeah it's criminal hey look you're an executive it's your responsibility that's your responsibility you're on the hook and you can choose to ignore the problem or you can choose to take action that's just the way that i think about it well the guy was probably going to take action after they had the nice dinner at silver oak wine cellars yeah they're going to take action after that yeah somebody should be chasing him around with a (laughs) flamethrower How do you like this gas? <laughs> sorry. That's, that's sorry. Right. Sorry. 
I didn't mean right. to go, I didn't mean to go dark right away, but you know, <laughs> there you go. So um, I saw Once so Upon so, a Time of Hollywood last weekend, so that that explains where I got the flamethrower reference. That's all I have to say. So what type of uh, what type of uh, wines are actually what type of beverages? Um, what type of um, adult beverages? Will you be drinking in the future, and uh, what countries will they be coming from? Because yeah, it's not going to be are, the terrors have come. <laughs> yeah, they're the here. Are... Well, they will all be domestic. That's what I will say. <laughs> Maga baby, Maga, <laughs> Maga all the way, man. Maga all the way. Hat. Oh, yep, I got to have to make. And then somebody had a wedding. I can't remember who it was. Some conservative commentator, and she had Maga hats that said, "Make weddings great again." Yes. <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah. So um, this, but you're this talking tariff, about the, yeah. this new tariff is uh, on cheese well, and wine. It, it makes no sense to me, but it just went into effect last Friday. Uh, it's a 25% uh, add-on um, to French, Spanish, and German wines. Um, I'm not sure why, but they decided that it was all wines that are below 14% alcohol in those categories. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just I don't, to, you know, I don't, you know, how does this stuff get decided? Who, who figured that out? It's a bunch of people in a room somewhere. Seriously. It's like the editors. Hey, what are the top 10 restaurants in Sonoma County? Let's sit in a room and figure it out. How do, I uh, mean, it's just, I, it seems it is. It's like mm, 14%. That makes no sense. The only the only thing that I can hang my hat on there is, you know, if you look at Bordeaux, you know, they don't what and I think we had an article that you actually posted this week where the French were like, Yeah, wine's over fourteen percent. They're really hard to digest. They're we're we're not <laughs> really are, man. Yeah. We're not really fourteen That's one. Not their deal. They're yeah. about making wines that are, you know, compatible with food on the table. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's sort know, of my point. We're about we're about I'm trying to get my buzz on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we're about we're about you need the big fat alcohol bomb to cut the fat of the wagyu beef that you're eating. You know, <laughs> uh, you know the hundred and fifty dollar eight ounce four ounce steak that you're powering down. That's ninety percent fat. Yeah, it's that that wine tastes really good. No, but in all seriousness, maybe that maybe they looked at a production number that said, oh, the bulk of the wines fall in here. I, I you would hope that they were using some kind of math or something, but well, it is pro- weird. Why why isn't it just all French wines? Boom, twenty five percent done. Yeah, but they're punishing all of the wines in the lower um, in the lower alcohol category, which are probably you know, in all honesty, those are the wines Most in the, the wines. ten to fifteen and, and under range. I mean, it's going to be a lot of your stuff that the bag in the box, all all of that stuff is going to cost more now. I mean, substantially more, and you know. Southern France, it's not going to be a problem for wines that are made in the Rhone region because they're already at 14%. I mean, the Cote de Rhone's that we drink these days are at 14, 14.5%. So it's not going to be a problem for wines from Southern France. Bordeaux, uh, you know, Bordeaux wines, usually most of them clock in at around 13, 13, 13.5. All they have to do is just harvest their grapes a little bit, you know, leave them on the vine a little bit longer, you know. Bump it up to 14. I mean, if they want to be competitive, they're going to have to. Because that 25%, man, that's a big difference. If you're selling a wine for 20 bucks, add on that 30%. I mean, that's a big jump. It's a big big jump in the head, you know, to be paying 25, 26, 27 bucks more. I was just, you know, that's what it means, right? So, you know, 20% tariff, that $20 bottle of wine goes to... You know, by the time you get with tax and everything, it's going to be twenty-seven bucks out the door. Probably. So, I mean, that's and it's and it's for the wines uh, for the lower price wines. You know, you got the Cote de Rhone that's you know you usually buying it at uh, uh, thirteen dollars. Well, now it's going to be seventeen, seventeen bucks, man. That's <laughs> I, like, like, well, I it, it 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 will cause it will cause people to not purchase those i mean we'll have the desired effect um you know the at the macro view of all of this it it is a um 
I do like what the president is doing with these with this trade and this kind of stuff for a couple of reasons. So one is instead of saber, you know, instead of just saber rattling, you know, we're going to do this and that. He's actually using a tool of economic warfare, if you want to call it that, you know, these tariffs and stuff um, to try to get people to the negotiating table. And that's really what a lot of this is about, you know, so hopefully there'll be a good outcome. Um, well, they've already won the case. The whole idea was that this whole this whole thing was over um, European Union subsidies for the Airbus. So they've been fighting about this for friggin' fifteen years. Yeah, a little so, ta- little tariff. Oh, I got yeah. your attention. Oh, I puck in the nose a little bit. Oh, I got your attention now, huh? Yeah, so <laughs> can we settle know, this? They finally got point. they they finally got permission to actually like you know kind of do something in return. So you know they're doing something in return, but it's not on the it's not on the airline industry. It's it's affecting farmers. Yeah. So well, you know, luxury goods, right? I don't know if we could call wines that are under fourteen percent luxury goods. That's a that's a pretty. I, nice. I, I'm not saying that you and I agree to that term. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying that people think you know. Oh, you, oh, you got enough money to have wine? You must be rich. Oh man, it's, it's a necessity, man. Pay Wine more. is a necessity of life, man. It's well, not you know, even... if you were French, <laughs> it would not be good. What you know, the French like you know the French go well. You know that's been said many times about us Americans. Um, and they're raising the price on uh, the Italian cheese, which is just way out of whack, man. I mean, it's already twenty bucks a pound for you know some good Parmigiano Reggiano. It's ridiculous. They're raising it some more. And olives from Spain. Come on. What are you guys doing? Olive oil? You raising the price on olive oil? I got lots of olives here in California. And a lot of them are Spanish clones, so I'm not worried about that. But the Italian cheese, on the other hand, Parma, you know, Parma, it, it does taste different. Yeah. It does taste different. And if you really want to hurt Americans, start hurting. Like, start cutting back on the Parmesan. Oh, man. I mean, you impact it's the still- pizza market. It could, I mean, that could hurt people. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, that would really hurt. Like, what, you know, I, that, what, what kind of cheese is on this? It tastes horrible. Um, yeah. Oh, man. Not good. Not good. I mean, we make cheese here that's good. But, oh, uh, not, you know. Like, there's nothing like Parmesan. Parmesan Reggiano from the right. There's not, yes, there's yes. nothing like that. Nope. That's the real deal. Nope. Not made, not made there. Not If it's made there, there's something special about it, that's for sure. It'll be very interesting to see how far this goes. Um the uh it looks like the china trade deal is going to end on the right note and you know they're they're about to put a zero behind the exports that have happened so you know instead of exporting you know 10 tons of hogs we're going to export 100 ton 100 uh, million tons of hogs that kind of stuff that could change a lot if you think about the political strategy there so the farmers have been hurting in the midwest for a long time and if Trump is successful in opening those markets, especially before the next election, wow, that's going to be a big deal. Like I, I was starving last year, and now I'm, you know, now I'm eating high off the hog, so to speak. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. Um, very interesting. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, a lot of irons in the fire, man, with the with the trade wars that are going on right now. Yeah, and you know, if you study business and economics i mean the you know tariffs are not um they're not looked at favorably they the outcomes that they generate are typically not favorable but well, they're, they're, they're certainly not favorable for consumers you know, definitely yeah. but in general they don't you know they don't have a favorable effect on the economy because it's essentially yeah. you're uh, or on the market i should say because you're you're mm. you're you know this attacks cools the market down and you know the um It'll be it'll just be interesting to to hear what happens. It's interesting to listen to the economists debate this stuff because it, you know it's as typical with economists half are on one side, half are on the other, and they've got math to prove it all, which is exactly. inter- just entertains just entertains the hell out of me. Um, it's like wow, yeah, that's that's yeah, it looks right, and so does your side look right. But uh, there's a group of people who are like, yeah, these are not typically things you would do to have the outcome that the president or the administration is is talking about. However, given our current economic times and the globalizations of the market, 
all of our traditional assumptions have changed a little bit. So it will be very interesting to see if this, this you know, it's like a weapon, if it actually is, it has some kind of effect. You know, I if read the art of the deal. If you want to know what's going on, read the art of the deal. Trump is, is using this negativity to get people to the table so they can make negotiation. It's classic negotiating technique. I'm going to cause you a little pain. And yes, I know I'm going to have to suffer some pain. But at the end of the, de- end of the day, I'm focused on my goal. And if I get you to the table, I'm going to be able to negotiate with you. Um, it's different than a lot of people have thought about before. It's not politics. It's business. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely it's uh, it's, it's, it's it's commerce. It's, it's using a big stick, that's for yeah. sure. I've got the stick, and I'm not afraid to use it. So, yeah, and that's and good. not only am I going to talk about it, I'm going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, that's exactly. the you know the French are you know the French are on the other side. Oh, I'm gonna you know, I'm not going to sell you wine. There'll be no that your your cheese will suck. Man, it never happens. But not 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 with this guy. No, that's that's you have a, a very valid point there. That's true. And sometimes he doesn't even let you know. He's just like, "Well, this is just what we're doing." So uh, yeah, well, we, you know, yeah, like the yeah, exactly the whole Syria thing, which I still don't. You know, we still don't know the whole. We're not getting the whole story there anyway. Um, you know, I, when we have our news organizations out filming Syria in a gun range in Kentucky, um, you know, we got a problem. They, um, as I think CBS or NBC did recently. Um, That's a tough one for him. I mean, not to get on the po- po- politics, but that's a tough one it's, for him because he's, he's so being hard. hit from all sides. It's like there's a hundred people in the room, and he's the one guy saying, "Yeah, we're gonna go this way," and everybody else is saying, "No, man, that's not the but, way to go." Uh, it, it it makes his rhetoric around the swamp start to look real. <laughs> it's like, hey, Washington's saying this is bad. I don't see anybody like really, you know, you know. Nobody's out starving. To, I, there are people starving in America. Don't misunderstand me. But the um, it'll be very interesting to see what happens. It's just a, it's a crazy time. It's, it's a, a crazy, crazy time, time, man. It's a crazy time. We talked a little bit about people. Um, I mean, we did we did say we're going to do a little thing on climate change. We're not going to do that. But I did want to bring up that there's one. Um, did you see this? Um, you see this this piece by Eric. Osmoff about climate change and how it impacts wine. Yes, I did. Um, that's the one you posted from the Times. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got it's four. Good. He's got yeah. He's got some. You know, it's it's pretty common sense. It's stuff you would know. But the one thing that was amazing for me was the number one. He brought up like there's like really five factors that are crucial to growing and producing wine. And the one thing he brought up was how the growing area where you the area where you grow grapes is changing and it's expanding and to make a long story short because the climate for whatever reason is changing people are having to plant vineyards in places where they typically would not have planted vineyards in the past so so vineyards um are being planted further north in the northern hemisphere and they're being planted further south in the southern Southern hemisphere hemisphere. or they're being planted higher elevation yeah, higher elevation. Yeah. Up, no, exactly. So, so this is a this this I find really really interesting because it has the potential. You know, we're not going to be around. You know, 40, 50 years from now, well, maybe we will be. Maybe we won't. Who's to say? But it. You know, the landscape for the type of grapes that are grown and where they're grown is going to change vastly if we continue in this 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 the climate continues to do what it's doing yeah. and become erratic. I think and the, I just found that really interesting. Yeah, I um I think one of the most interesting things I learned from being involved in doing this podcast is, you know, prior to that article, you know, we, we and we've talked about this before, you know, basically every state in the United States has some type of wine production. Um True. and and wine has been, you know, the largest and in fact the largest um wine library a library of clones i think is at the university of missouri um it's it like what what at missouri but you remember missouri was the center of farming um, yes in the 19th and 20th century early 20th century and late 19th century in the united states so you know that that makes sense but um 
And I, I wonder if you do the research, if, you know, all these places that you didn't grow grapes before, that there actually had been cultivation before um, at some point in time in history, you know, centuries ago, potentially. We don't know. And, and that's one of the things about climate change is, you know, we really don't understand the environment millions, hundreds, thousands of years ago because um, we weren't there and we don't have the data. But um, it would be very interesting to see, you know, if you start, you know, doing some exploration around this stuff. Well, it's like, oh, wow, back, you know, when the planet was a little hotter, there were actually people farming in these areas and farming things that are indicative to grapes or close to grapes. I don't know. It's a very interesting topic. I thought that Times article was great. And one of the things that one of the things that was really nice about it is the information presentation in that article is uh, fantastic. Yeah, it's um, spot on. I love that he talked about, um, you know, it's kind of a Bordeaux-centric article when you, when you, if you kind of look between the lines. It really talks a lot about France. Well, you'd expect nothing less from the uh, intellectual elite <laughs> at the New York Times. Um, there's only good wine comes from France, and it comes from Bordeaux. Everybody knows yeah, that, right? Right, so. Everybody Makes knows sense. that, right? <laughs> but he talks about, um, you know, in, in France, I mean, we've talked about this before in the podcast, but, you know, in Europe in general, Everything is mandated by the government, and it's strictly... Um, there's rules. It, it, yeah, there's, there's rules for everything. What you grow, where you grow it, yes. how much you grow, what you do with it while you're growing it. There's just rules, right? So one of the rules is you can only use... You can only grow grapes in certain areas that are permitted... You know, like you know, in Bordeaux, you're not going to be growing... Pinot. You're not growing Pinot Noir, but part of the reason part of the reason is that for hundreds of years they figured out what grows best where, and then they've codified it and said, "Okay, this is just what we're growing here." Yeah. Well, now they're permitting the authorities are opening it up, and they're saying, "Hey, you know, yeah, man, you know, maybe yeah, the industry made other, up. Yeah, we got to adapt at things that can handle these these climate dif- differences." Yep. And they've added seven seven additional grapes that can be grown in Bordeaux, and these these grapes are, um, you know, a lot of them are from zones that are hotter, like Tariga Nacional. Is you know, it's something that's typically grown in the Iberian Peninsula, um, Marcelan, uh, which is a cross between Cabernet and yep. Grenache, yep. uh, Castets, um, and uh, Arin Arinanoa never even heard of that. It's a cross between Cabernet and Tanat. So, and then they're also uh, growing some whites. They're putting some Albarino in Bordeaux. Now that's allowed. Wow. Um, I know, man. It's crazy. Wow. Uh, Petite <laughs> Massang and Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah. What's yeah. the, uh, what's the big wine in Chile? What's the big grapes in Chile and Argentina? Uh, uh Chile, uh, is, um, Syrah. Not Syrah. Argentina, it's, uh, uh, Carmenet. Um, Malbec, Malbec, um, Malbec, Charbono, which is called um, still not the grape I'm thinking called, of. Charbono is called something else. So yeah. I forget what it's called. There's one warm weather grape out there that we're all all wines is going to devolve into that because it's the only thing that's going to survive the heat. But think about it, man. If you're in Bordeaux, you've got hundreds and hundreds of years. You have all this tradition of ah, yeah, the Bordeaux, the Cabernet, you know, the Bordeaux blend, and it's like. You know, how does that work, man? How do you, like, switch it up? I, like, I don't know. you got to put, like, different... It's going to totally change how the wine tastes. I, I also really want to... Uh, you know, I, okay, so I'm hearing this from the media, and I'm seeing sort of the government react to this stuff, but I'd really like to hear from the, from the people that are doing the work. Like, are they really... You know, is Etienne Hugel saying that, yeah, we've got to change everything up because you know, the climate's changing or is he like, ah, I'm just gonna, I'm going, Hey, this climate change stuff's good for my marketing and I'm going to add some new grapes that are, they eat more hearty and easier to grow. I mean, I don't know. Um, it would just be, it, and you're not going to get that kind of information out unless you go over there and you spend some time with these folks. But I, I, it, it would be interesting to hear. I also believe that the French more than anyone else have kept really good national records on cl- on the climate and uh, like the record of the weather and the soil conditions of their vent of their of their um, of, of their vineyards and I believe they have this stuff dating back to the to the 
17th or even 16th century um and they and they're and they're and i heard an npr uh radio story on this probably a, maybe 18 months ago about how that yeah the you know the last 10 years there has been a marked increase in the temperature however there were times throughout history of of you know sort of a decade or more of this warming and then it you know it's all cyclical um i think it's cyclical and I also think if we stop driving around so many cars that spew out whatever they spew out, burning petrol, that it's probably going to be better for all of us. Yeah, there's hey, I think, you know, I think less yeah. cars spewing out stuff in the air is probably better. Anything? I, I don't know. I I don't have any scientific data to prove that. It just seems. I'm just using reasoning here. It just seems like it would be better for everybody. I, it, it's common sense that there's. And even if we find out later that this isn't true, that the things we use to produce energy right now are a finite of finite quality. So anything you do to conserve that makes sense. They produce chemicals we know that are harmful to us as humans. So why wouldn't we try to make that better? And we're on the cusp, and we should be doing more research on... Um, uh, let me just say it this way. So there's a famous venture capitalist. This guy's name is John Dewar. He runs a famous firm that's invested in a lot of of uh, uh, companies that you know. You know, um, uh, you know everything from you know um, um, Sun Microsystems to you know Facebook, Google, all those guys. But he said, hey, if you really want it. To do something awesome in the world, figure out a way to make clean, cheap, free power and clean, cheap, free water. Um, And you will liberate the world. And if you look at, you know, a lot of our conflict today is centered around our economy and economy is all powered by energy and energy is all derived mostly from oil today. So, yeah, a lot of the a lot of that oil comes from the Mideast. And look at that. It's a a pile of conflict. So. you know, to your point, it would be better if we had less things that burned oil. Yeah, and it, I mean, we could just come full circle and we could go all the way back to, it's just I'm going to say the Syria word, Syria. Yeah. We're moving X number of troops out, but we're going to leave enough troops <laughs> going there to guard the oil. just to watch these oil fields, yeah. okay? Yeah, and the, and, the just, and the president's justification is the Saudis pay for that. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, oh, okay. wow, okay, man. This is right. a, this is a whole new rail line that I've not been on yet. So a quick, uh, at a least quick he's honest about it. <laughs> a quick correction. I said earlier that uh, they're going to be um, starting to grow Sauvignon Blanc in uh, Bordeaux. Uh, they've been growing Sauvignon Blanc in Bordeaux for probably seven, eight hundred years. Couple, couple, so, couple, yeah. couple centuries. Kind of, kind of missed out, That's missed right. up on that. Yeah, I, anyway. I was right on that fact checking too. So you know. <laughs> I am, you know, somebody could show me. I don't. What is it? What, what kind of grape was that? A Tanat grape? You could, it was, uh, you could pelt uh, me to death with those things. I wouldn't know what they are. Tanat, man, it is. Um, Have you had one? It just sounds yeah, it's, terrible. Uh, it's, it sounds it's, like it would taste terrible. Well, it's. Uh, it's, it's <laughs> That's all it's, you need to know, folks. Just see it. That response right there. It's strong. <laughs> But it's uh, it's the grape that um, it's grown a lot in um, what's the region where it's grown? Um, gosh darn it, I'm drawing a blank here. Let's see if I can dig it up real quick. It's uh, I've had I've had a few of them, but it's uh, it's a monster grape, man. It is grown in Tanat is grown primarily in Uruguay. Yeah, that's where it's grown, and uh, the that's one that I've had is that's um, the grape that's going to be left. It's like the cockroach of grapes. So <laughs> one that I've had is, um, and it, actually, this guy makes a really good one. I mean, it's, no uh, offense to anybody who makes tanat. Sorry, it's just a joke <laughs> that was right there. I had to take it. Don't don't read uh, into it, folks. Bodega Garzon. It's some billionaire builder guy, but he oh, built winery out there, and that's his um, that's his flagship grape that he that he makes. And actually, he makes a bottle. I have to go uh, find some of this stuff. for like over a hundred dollars a bottle. I can't imagine, but uh, yeah. So is the bottle dipped in gold? Maybe we should do a Tanat podcast. Yeah, we have to. 
We have to now. I got to know about this thing. I want to eat some of these grapes. Strong flavor. I remember my mom. This is a good personal antidote. My mom gave me white grape juice like when I was in seventh grade for the morning. And I, I, you know, so first of all, I drank it and gagged. It was the most hideous thing I'd ever put in my mouth. And my, you know, my, it was like, my, you know, my mom's trying to do the right thing as a mom, right? She's like, you need some juice. This is back before we knew any of this stuff, but it wasn't good. Yeah. You know, and juice is good for you, my minerals. And so I had to slug this thing down. I think I was ill all day from it. I was like, who even, who would even, you know, my seven-year-old brain was like, who would even think to sell this stuff? What do they sell this stuff for? It was so hideous. So when you started to talk about Tanat, that's exactly what popped into my mind. Yeah. And then you said uh, strong. Now, well, this then you said can be hell. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then you said strong, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's. I've had that grape. It's in a bottle of Welch's grape juice, white grape Too juice. Much. Too much. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Well, we should probably wrap it up. Let's let's do that, man. We're um, we're off the rails we're, again. Yeah, we're definitely off the rails, but that's okay. I think. I think that's okay. So thank you everyone for listening. And you can, uh, you can hit Al up on the Twitters at Vino101.net. He's uh, diligent. He's diligent out there having conversations with all those strangers. Um, <laughs> Joe Rogan had a good thing to say. It's like, what do we think? We're just, uh, you know, start treating a hundred people. You don't know, like you're, you're, the, you're their neighbors. Exactly. Uh, it's like, what, what kind of, no matter we're messed up. I, um, I thought it was really good. Um, you can always leave us a message at uh, info at vino101.net. You can post on the um, site. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. We'd love to get feedback. Anything you want us to go experiment or try, we're more than willing. And um, on that note, cheers. Cheers, everybody. Tell a friend.